listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Spring training activities are underway in Florida and Arizona. Joy is in the air. Flowers and gifts have been exchanged this week as a result of spring training. I think that's why flowers and gifts get exchanged. And generally, the world is just a better place. Hello, everybody. This is the Beyond the Game program coming to you from the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. Sports talk without the trash talk along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. Coming up today on the program. We're going to welcome in my friend Bob Schindler, who has written an interesting book called Does God Care Who Wins? What do you think about that question, Zach? This is something that in my role in sports ministry comes up a lot. And I'll tell you, I've always felt that God God cares, but only as it pertains to accomplishing his plan, his purpose, his glory, which may be for me to win and it may be for me to lose. What, What do you think? That's a really big theological question. I think it is the Reader's Digest answer for me would be, I think he does care who wins because he cares about even the smallest events of each of our lives individually. So um, however the win or the loss fits into his plan for our lives, I believe that he does care. And we're going to talk to Bob about that because there is, no matter what side you take, there is ramification. I mean, it's not like God has a rooting interest or a favorite team. Well, I mean, apart from the Yankees, obviously. That's the obvious one, yeah. Okay, since we're going to talk to Bob later in the show, let's get into shenanigans. I saw your shenanigans questions or statements that you were proposing, and I think let's hold off on two of them because I I want to talk to this one about baseball. So I'll let you make that statement, and let's talk about that for a couple of minutes. All right, the statement is, the lack of big free agent deals this offseason is a sign that Major League Baseball will have a work stoppage or a strike when the current CBA expires in 2021. I agree. There is trouble brewing. Now I say that unless they address something, they get something figured out. But if they need to start talking now because I think they got a problem. And one of the things that I'm seeing is the players coming out saying there's collusion and all this other stuff. And, and perhaps there is to some degree. But what they're looking at forcing a team to uh, agree to eight, ten year contracts and teams aren't willing to do that. What the teams are saying is, look, I'll give you the money, or they seem to be saying, I'll give you the money. I'm, I'm not giving you the years. Mm-hmm. But the players are insisting on the years. Bryce Harper came out, I'm not going to accept uh, short-term contracts. Right. Jacob deGrom, when his agent came out this week and said that, well, we might put on limits. You know, We'll only pitch a certain amount of innings. They want the Mets to give Jacob deGrom a new contract when he's he's still two seasons away from free agency, mm-hmm. at which point I think, what's he going to be, 32 at that point? I think and, so, 31, 32. You know, what, what incentive is there the Mets? Yeah, and this is a big question, I think, to properly answer it would take us several weeks worth of shows. <laughs> but um, I think I'm going to say no. I'm going to say shenanigans. I did. I don't think there will be a work stoppage. The only reason is that, we have three seasons to play before we get there, the 19, 20, and 21 seasons. And I think by that point, the players may be adjusting to what the new normal is and the fact that these teams all have analytics offices and are much smarter than they were and aren't throwing cash around willy-nilly like they used to. 
And I think in three years, the players may have started to come around on that. I think there's a lot more that's going to go into it, including how much they pay the minor leaguers, at how many years of team control before they reach free agency. Those types of things, I think, will be up for discussion. But um, as of now, I'm going to say there will not be a stoppage. But you're you're hanging the condition that they're going to get something figured out in the meantime, which because it sounded like you're saying the same thing I am. They have several seasons. They have time to get it figured out. They have to figure something out where you're not going to get strapped down to a 10-year contract. And in the player's favor, you got to figure out something out with those where those younger p- players are getting to free agency sooner. Because what they're doing with Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm-hmm. is garbage. That's a guy that's probably the best player on the Blue Jays, and he, they're not going to see him until mid-April when uh, yeah. his service time. Yeah, he slaughtered the minor leagues last year, and it's already been reported this year that he'll – wait in the minor leagues for the first two weeks or whatever of the season uh, just until they reach that mark where they can gain the extra year of team control then they'll call him up despite the fact that he's been ready for the big leagues for months yeah if I was the players I'd be having a fit over that there's going to have to be some creativity maybe you expand the roster a little bit so there's a couple more jobs Mm -hmm. that are available there's only so much a team can do there's only so much money at some point it just, when's the last 10-year, 9-year, 8-year, 7-year contract that you can think of that was successful? I'm going to call the A-Rod contract successful just because it did result in a World Series. It did result in the World Series. The last the, couple of years yeah. were ugly. Yeah, and the Yankees were strapped by that. You're right. I think there's much more to talk about, and spring training's just getting going, so we will talk about it. Thanks so much for being with us. When we come back, we are going to talk with Bob Schindler about his book, Does God Care Who Wins? That plus our weekly You Like That segment, all ahead today on Beyond the Game. Okay, time now to take a look back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Thursday, February 14th. The Red Hawks recap is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan men's tennis team got its spring campaign underway last Friday with a 9-0 win over local rival Rochester Institute of Technology. Also on Friday, the Red Hawks basketball teams kicked off a weekend road trip with a 62-45 win for the men over Queens College, getting 18 points from sophomore Armand Nasiri. It took double overtime to do it, but the women, though, were eventually tripped up at Queens College, 84-78. This despite sophomore Tashayla Satorius' 23 points and double-double performances by junior Emily Miller and senior Taylor Bino. Both squads were back in action again on Sunday at Malloy College with similar results. The women fell 78-56 with Bino once again putting up another double-double, scoring 15 points with 10 rebounds. Senior Justin Vaughn scored 20 points and hit a key three-pointer late in the game to tie a game which the Roberts Wesleyan men's team would go on to win 87-83, completing the weekend road sweep. The Roberts Wesleyan women's bowling team were at Cutsdown University for the second week in a row, this time competing at the Golden Bear Classic, where they came away with a 10th place finish. Roberts is now 26-21 and 21 overall as they head for their third straight tournament in the state of Pennsylvania this coming weekend. Red Hawks basketball is back in action at home on Sunday the 17th, hosting LIU Post. Game time for the women is 2 p.m. and for the men it's 4 p.m. And the men's lacrosse team will kick off their home schedule next Saturday, February 23rd at noontime against Walsh University. 
If you can't make it to the game, you can follow all the action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you'll also find scores, highlights, and more. And, of course, you can always follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Welcome back into the program. We are so glad to have you along. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. Bob Schindler presents a fascinating discussion in his book called Does God Care Who Wins? And I'm excited to welcome Bob into the program now via our BTG phone line. Bob, my friend, it's so good to have you on the program. Thanks so much for being part of this week's show. Rick, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You have plenty to do. I know you're a busy guy. So what was the motivation to take the time and write this particular book? Honestly, Rick, the motivation began with my own struggle to answer the question. Uh, Many years ago, I tried to qualify for the PGA Tour and unfortunately lost in a playoff in what was then called uh, Tour School or Q School. I was a new Christian at the time, and I really wrestled with that question. Did God care about what happened? Did God care who wins? In part because of the unusual circumstances that led me to even making it into a playoff that day. Well, since then, I've I've asked many others. I've studied, I've prayed, I've read, and through the journey found some answers. But I've also found many other people who've wrestled with that same question, typically very unsatisfactorily. So as I would share the answers I'd found, people would tell me that they were really helped by them. And so through their encouragement, God began to really affirm the need for such a book and the role he wanted me to play in getting it out. I read the book about a year ago, right after you gave it to me, because I was intrigued by the question. And working in sports ministry, you know, it comes up quite a bit. I had my opinions going in, but I wanted to see what you thought. And I was presented with some thoughts. I'll tell you, I I hadn't even considered them and and thoughts on both sides. It's not really as black or white once you start considering the question a little more deeply. And as a result, obviously, there's some people that very strongly believe absolutely God cares who wins. And then there's others that contend, well, he doesn't care who actually wins, but What do you think is the strongest argument that both sides can present? Well, Rick, I I think that's a a great question to consider. And and when typically a person says God doesn't care who wins, it starts with the idea that God really isn't concerned with the outcomes of something as silly as our sports, our games, that he's got more important things to be concerned about. 
And to say that he cares seems to them to trivialize God into a fan of one team or another. Now, if you, though, say, well, no, God does care who wins, now that opinion is usually offered by the winning team. And victory in that case is seen as a direct blessing from God. So those would be the two ways I would, or the ways that I would would offer up as the strongest argument for each of the two two answers. We're talking with Bob Schindler, author of the book, Does God Care Who Wins? He's also the director of Seed Sports. In the book, you describe a two-bucket system, and I thought this was great the way you put this out there. Putting everything either into a God cares or God doesn't care, putting everything we do into one of those two buckets. But it's not as simple as it sounds once you start breaking it down and actually putting things, assigning one bucket or the other. There are difficult ramifications for suggesting either one of those, isn't there? Can you, can you discuss the potential pitfalls a bit of answering too quickly either way? Sure, Rick. Um, that two-bucket mindset has been around for a long time. It's been referred to as the secular sacred divide. And the biggest pitfall of this thinking is the confusion that comes from knowing for certain what actually goes in the does God care bucket. Philip Yancey, author Philip Yancey, says the most important question, the deepest question that every person asks, do I matter to God? By saying this, he implies that deep down we all wonder whether we, not just our sports, make it into the does God care bucket. Uh, in 35 years of talking to men and asking them what they what God cares about with regard to their work, they'll typically tell me, well, God cares about the money that I make that I can give then to his, his uh, kingdom advancement. He may care also about the, the people that I can reach through my work, but and, and maybe finally they'll say, well, he cares about how I work. But in 35 years, I've never had one man tell me that he cares about the product of their work. And that's really concerning to me because I want men who care about their work and who care about the product of their work. I want men who, who if he's my, my doctor, I want him to care about the kind of surgery that he does. If he's my accountant, I want him to care about the kind of uh, accounting that he does. And so sure. if he's a believer, that sets him up in tension between what he cares about and what God cares about. I just finished Greg Linville's, I know you know Greg, his book on theology Mm -hmm. and competition, and I read very similar thoughts in your book and his on what defines success for the Christian athlete. It's more than how God has gifted that athlete. It's what that athlete offers back to God, how he competes with that gift. So especially in terms of team sports, as I ask you this next question and how the Christian athletes teammates may view that outspoken believer on their team, when an athlete begins connecting more of his or her performance to God's glory, as opposed to their own, do you think it increases their motivation to win or is the victory no longer as important to them? Again, Rick, I think that's a great question. I think it's one that most if not every Christian athlete were, wrestles with. That is, what do I do with my motivation to win? Now, in summary, I'll say it this way. Performing for God's glory doesn't diminish, but actually intensifies my passion and redirects it to the most satisfying object, God's glory, not mine. Now, if I think God doesn't care who wins, then I'm either think, left thinking that I shouldn't care then. Mm-hmm. 
Now, if I think he does care in order to contribute to my glory, then my motivation to and I take my motivation to win and I turn God into a genie instead of a disinterested spectator who doesn't care. Now he's a genie that I can try to manipulate and convince to care for my winning. But as I've talked to athletes, Christian athletes around the country, they often tell me that's exactly how they approach God in athletics. They think that if they do the right things off the field, like pray, study the Bible, share their faith, help the poor, and other things that they think God cares about, that then God will reward them with victory on the field. But if I get convinced that God cares about how I compete and the outcome of my competition as it impacts his glory with a far greater passion than I or any other athlete will ever experience, this fuels my desire to move toward him and my competitive spirit and directs it in the right direction. Victory becomes more important and is pursued with more and more passion, but defeat is also important and accepted graciously, sometimes even more important than victory in the display of God's glory. So no, it doesn't diminish it. It should rather instead very much intensify it. Bob, my favorite part of our interviews is when I get to ask our guests about how it is that they first came to faith in Christ. Can you share your story with us and, and talk a little bit about how Christ has impacted your life? Uh, I certainly can, Rick. Um, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, what uh, some would refer as part of the Bible Belt, but I never uh, went uh, very li- went to church very little as a, as a young person. I never met a person that told me they were a Christian. I'm sure I was around people that were Christians, but I never met anybody, nor did any. I never hear. I never heard the gospel until I was 22 years old, or near the end of my senior year of college. And um, it was at a crisis point in my life that I saw a person change before me in both discernible and attractive ways. And I asked them what the heck was going on. And they told me, in essence, they'd become their lives had become a part of the great story of the gospel. They they shared how they had come to recognize that God wanted them to be so much a part of his story that he was willing to to overcome every barrier that existed, including overcoming them by sending his son to live and then die and then rise again, and to then invite people into being a part of that story. Well, Rick, honestly, I'd never heard anything like that before in my life. Uh, but as I wrestled with those ideas and the offer that, that God was making me, I, I decided I wanted to be a part of that. Now, it'd be hard. That was quite a long time ago. It'd be hard for me to kind of encapsulate the impact, all the impact that Jesus has had on my life. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. it's just yeah. – but I can, I can say it this way. Jesus said when he, was in, when he was inaugurating his ministry, he took a passage out of Isaiah 61, what we know as Isaiah 61, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted and, and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And so I, I can simply say he's taken me, a poor, broken prisoner, and brought healing into my broken heart, freedom from my captivity, and sight of the blind eyes that I had to giving me a recognition of the beauty and wonder of Christ as my greatest treasure. Now, I mean, I'm, I don't mean to imply that that's done. I still got 
so far to go on that. I, I love what Tim Keller says. We're so we can, we're far worse than we've ever imagined. Far more than we ever dreamed. Yeah, you know, like I said, I mean, there has been huge, huge impacts on my life. It really reminds me just of the incredible things that Jesus does in our lives. Mm, well said. Once again, we're talking with the director of Seed Sports, Bob Schindler. He's written a book called Does God Care Who Wins? Bob, is there anything our listeners can be in prayer about for you? Well, honestly, yeah, Rick. I'd love it if they would pray for those in my extended family who still don't have this kind of relationship with Jesus. Uh, it would just be great for me if they would join with me in praying that they would they would become one of those people like I was, whose heart was uh, was stirred and those eyes were opened, and they would become followers of His. So that would be a great way for that for uh, you all that are listening to join with me. So that would mean a lot to me. Before I let you go, can you take a moment and tell the people where they can get a hold of your book? Sure, Rick. It's available on Amazon as well as barnesandnoble.com. If you're interested in uh, purchasing bulk copies, if you go to doesgodcarewhowins.com, again, that's doesgodcarewhowins.com, you'll notice there a place for purchasing bulk copies, and then you'll be contacted about how, how to go about doing that. All right, Bob, I want to thank you again for coming on the program. I know I'm taking your time. I, I should have gotten to you long before this. But I, you know, I've thought for the longest time, i gotta, I got to call Bob. I want to have him on the program, but I'm glad to finally get the chance to uh, talk to you here about your book. Rick, there's no need to apologize. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I'm, I'm such a screw-up. I just appreciate you taking the time to— <laughs> to uh, invite me and and to allow me to be a, to just share a little bit of my heart with your listeners. So thanks. That's Bob Schindler. His book is called Does God Care Who Wins? It's a quick read, but not really a quickly answered question. There's, there's actually a lot to it once you really start putting meat on the bones. Does God care who wins? Time to take a break. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Hey everybody, it's Benson. You probably know that Beyond the Game is a different kind of sports talk radio program. Sports conversation and Bible verses mixed together? Why would anybody do that? Here's why. Because the message of Jesus Christ is so important that we use sports to appeal to sports fans. Trying to be, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You see, all of us are sinners. And because we are, we can't get to heaven on our own merit. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us, so much so that he sent his son who was the only one who never sinned, and though he did not need to die, willingly did so on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt of all our sin. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity in hell. 1 Timothy 2.4 says he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But the good news is Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Instead, he rose again, defeating death and making it possible for us to go to heaven as a result of his righteousness. You see, that's the grace of God we want to tell you about. Sports Talk Radio allows us to bring that message of the forgiveness of sins to sports fans all around the world. Forgiveness of sins is available 
to all people everywhere. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you'd pray to God. I hope you'd confess to him that you know yourself to be a sinner and tell him that you know and believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and begin a new way of life, turning from sin and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back into the program. We want to thank you for joining us as we wrap up another week's broadcast here on the Beyond the Game program at btgprogram or btgprogram.com. While you're at our website, you can subscribe to the podcast, have it downloaded automatically, just as people all around the world and all around the country do. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Last Friday night was the annual Night to Shine event put on by Tim Tebow's foundation. Night to Shine is a global prom event for people with special needs. According to the Tim Tebow Foundation, this year's event had an estimated 655 churches involved in 25 different countries, hosting more than 100,000 special needs guests. Night to Shine is put on thanks to the assistance of over 200,000 volunteers who, as in Hebrews 13:16 says, have not neglected to do good and who have sacrificed their time and even their money to make this event a success. Tim Tebow's dedication, as well as the commitment from so many volunteers and donors to run this special evening for people with special needs, like is that? what I like, like this that? week. What I like this week was a quote from Astros third baseman Alex Bregman, who said that after having his Astros knocked out of the playoffs by the Boston Red Sox last year and then having to watch the Patriots win the Super Bowl, he said, there's nobody I want to beat more than Boston. Welcome to the club, Alex. Alex Bregman wanting to beat Boston so badly is what I like this week. That's the end of our show for this week, unfortunately. Thanks again for spending some time with us here on Beyond the Game. We hope you'll tune in again next week as we continue our conversations mixing both sports and faith. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 